Coming up on Stu Does America, is Antifa just a myth, a fairy tale, a bedtime story? Sure, but only if you've ever received multiple lacerations from reading Peter Pan. I mean, if that's happened, maybe. And if you're still not convinced, we speak to Chuck Holton, who has seen the violence from the far left up close and personal. Finally, I'll speak to Chad Prather for the first time since I bamboozled him into doing my Power Hour special. I'm expecting either a hug or a smack on the head. You know, stay tuned. We'll see what happens. I've been on vacation for the past week, which means the evil YouTube algorithm robots have completely trashed the stats on my page. Gather your friends and family. Search Stu on YouTube. Click the first channel there and then just start liking and commenting on everything. That'll be a fun team building exercise. I promise. And if you didn't catch it on radio, Glenn is probably going to have COVID-19 very soon. So let's help out with his medical bills with a Blaze TV subscription. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 10 bucks off your price. And it'll probably save Glenn's life. You know, if you're into that. Stu does America. Now, the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. It takes different strokes to move the world. Yes, it does. It takes different strokes to move the world. Mm. I was reminded of that ancient parable while watching Jerry Nadler, the highly attractive congressman, unleash this knowledge about Antifa in Portland. It is true. There's violence across the whole country. Do you disavow the violence from Antifa that's happening in Portland right now? There's that's, riots. That's, that, that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. It's Sir, there's, there's videos everywhere Jones. online. There's fires and riots. There's th- they're throwing fireworks at uh, federal officers. DHS is there. Look online. It gets crazy, Mr. Nadler. What's he doing? Just pulled over to the side of the road there. <laughs> You'd understand it. Now, to you and I, this might seem like the most insane thing you've ever heard. After all, there is an incredible amount of video evidence that does show Antifa very much is a real thing in Portland and has been terrifying the city and its residents for years. But do we understand the perspective of Jerry Nadler? How can we use this moment to internalize his worldview? To understand that, we will have to understand who Jerry Nadler is. You might remember Jerry Nadler as one of the managers named uh, by Nancy Pelosi to get on camera and act like he cared about the Constitution during the impeachment. And on the surface, he has all the qualifications for that job. He's a long-serving congressman from New York. He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He's a leading Democrat in Congress and has spent decades preparing to investigate corruption and dishonesty, mainly by constantly participating in it. But what kind of event could have altered Jerry's view of reality so much that he is in complete denial over the destruction of a major U.S. city? It would have to be something so incredibly humiliating that it shook his foundation to the core. I think we have found what it is. You would think searching the Internet for a congressman would result in a list of accomplishments or important legislation he has been a part of. But no, this is entirely real. And I beg of you to replicate it yourself at home. When you do a Google search for Jerry Nadler, the very first result is, I kid you not, Jerry Nadler's pants. Jerry Nadler pants. The Internet is a place where you can easily see pictures of every natural and scientific wonder of the world. Why would so many people across the country search for the pants 
of Jerry Nadler because he wears them like this. Oh, it's beautiful. They're literally six centimeters below his nipples. Look, Jerry, I, I mean, if you want to buy a onesie, buy a onesie. Uh, there's no need to retroactively convert your slacks. His pants look like they're a massive Burmese python so slowly swallowing him feet first. <laughs> look at this poor guy. Look out, Jerry. He's already up to your chest. Quick move. Now, you might not be able to recognize it yet, but there is a point to all of this. You see, whether you're talking about fat Jerry or slightly less fat, but probably smelly Jerry, all Jerry's are Jerry's that are in denial. That's why we've created the Jerry Nadler scale of denial. Mm. The higher the pants, the higher the level of denial. And don't worry, it's just like every time he's ever appeared in the dream of a female, he's always wearing pants. To test our billion dollar Nadler denial system, let's watch some of the handiwork of the group he says is a myth, Antifa. Now, I would warn you uh, that some of this footage is really disturbing and you should not let your kids watch this. But I already told you that you'd be looking at Jerry Nadler. So any decent parent has already told their kids to avoid the screen at all costs. Let's start with this elderly gentleman uh, who's having a disagreement with our myth mythical group, Antifa. They first steal his bike, and then as he goes to get it back, keep an eye out for the lovely ponytailed lady that pops into the shot. You're gonna rip me off. No. Oh, he's drinking. Oh, he's drinking. What are you so saying, what? bro? Oh, you he's drinking. Oh, What's up, bro? That's a myth. That's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Ah, it's a myth. Now look, I mean, sure, it's an elderly guy getting punched in the face. But I think he was hit by a girl. Now, I don't know how that person identifies, but I can at least say this for certain. She punches like a girl. Nadler denial level? Pants uh, around the low waist area. He never wears them like this. How about this flag-waving American? You can almost hear Lee Greenwood singing God Bless the USA until this turns a bit ugly. You have all these people. Because we're done with people like It's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Mm, it's pretty mythical. This is a standard operating procedure of the mythical group Antifa, who heavily feature the sucker punch as a tactic. However, he's wearing some decently padded gloves, which takes some of the impact away. And sure, this ends with him you know, being kicked on the ground by an angry mob, but you can't really see the details, making it easy for Jerry Nadler to deny. Nadler denial level? Right around his meaty, his meaty midsection. That is adorable. Now, every July 5th, you can read your local news site to see stories about how people blew their hands off with fireworks, usually handled while very drunk. Everyone knows to handle fireworks with caution. It's just that this mythical group of Antifa thinks that just means aiming them carefully at police. That, that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Mm, mythical fireworks. Ooh. 
Look, firing explosives at the feds usually means bad things, but who can resist those beautiful colors? Nadler denial level pants up to the permanent crease created in between the stomach and the chest formed when Nadler sits down. One thing is for sure, while Antifa doesn't seem to be a myth, they can't be awful enough to attack a man in a wheelchair. Right? That's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Huh. There's always somebody nearby. You ever notice this? Just saying, hey, stop that. But there's never anyone around to actually stop it. Maybe that's because Antifa is just a myth. Right, Jerry? Nadler denial level pants up to the nipples. Jerry Nadler's nipples. You just thought about Jerry Nadler's nipples. You're welcome. America. And finally, I remind you again to keep the kitties away because this one is legitimately difficult to watch as if the others weren't. One of the narratives we hear from time to time is that people attacked by this mythical group, Antifa, are just as antagonizing. Both sides are yelling at each other. It's a back and forth. And eventually Antifa starts attacking. And that is true. Sometimes it's also very much illegal. But yes, sometimes the words are flying both ways before these incidents. And sometimes people just want to start a fight. The Antifa apologists will tell you that you should just de-escalate the situation. Remove yourself, run away, and nothing will happen to you. Well, this guy tried just that. Once again, viewer discretion is advised. That's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Is it a myth, Jerry? For a mythical foot, that sure did cause a lot of damage. I'll save you the gruesome and bloody pictures of the aftermath, but this sort of thing is a constant presence in Portland right now. The Portland trailblazers are thinking, thank God we can get out of Portland to the comparably safe confines of mid-pandemic central Florida, by the way, Nadler, denial level, uh, it's at his highest point on that one. I mean, it's right up to his stupid neck, which is where he actually wears his pants. Antifa is not a myth. It's not some creation of scaredy-cat conservatives in their cul-de-sacs. It's a group that is taking advantage of the social unrest due to the economy, the pandemic, and George Floyd, all the aftermath, and trying to further their goals of chaos and destruction. Honestly, Portland and Seattle seem to me to be far away sitting from where I'm sitting in Texas. I mean, that's it it feels sort of distant. And a lot of people will look at these cities as examples of progressive craziness and say, you know what? Let it burn. Let them left reap what they sow. There are tens of thousands of people in Portland who didn't vote for this craziness. And yet they're being ruled by it. And if you start turning over these communities to the mythical Antifas of the world, they will happily accept it. And they will plant little baby chazes and chops all over the country until one day your windows are the ones getting smashed in. The left is taking an important stand. And I don't mean Antifa. I mean the stodgy old run-of-the-mill Democrats like Jerry Nadler. They are standing with the people shooting fireworks at federal officers. 
They are standing with the terrorists beating up random people in wheelchairs. They are standing with the criminals kicking the heads of lifeless bodies lying in the streets and then laughing about it on camera. If that's the world you want, then Portland and Seattle have helpfully illuminated the path to get there. But if you want something other than an apocalyptic hellscape, now is the time to speak up. Because there is a myth about Antifa. The myth is that they're any different from the modern Democratic Party. The problem with big tech companies is not only do they censor what you read, but they track what you do online, they track what you're searching for, the videos you watch, everything you click, and then they use this data to serve you ads and can match your activity to your uh, offline identity using your uh, unique IP address that your device has. That's why I use ExpressVPN. They can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't do anything about it. My identity is masked and anonymized by a secure VPN server. Plus, ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys of all sorts. ExpressVPN software takes just one minute to set up on your computer or your phone. You tap one button and you're protected. It's time to take back your privacy at expressvpn.com stew. By visiting my special link, you're going to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. And who doesn't like free stuff? I know that I do. Again, it's expressvpn.com stew. Expressvpn.com stew. The slash stew part is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Protect your data today. It's expressvpn.com slash stew. Expressvpn.com slash stew. Okay, this is just a prediction, but I think it might be a while before we start seeing come visit Portland billboards on the side of the highway again. Civil War battle zones just aren't an appealing attraction to most tourists, especially active ones involving bombs, riots, and gunfire. News outlets are now sending war correspondents into American cities like Seattle or Portland. Have you ever been around a war correspondent? I mean, these guys are nuts. They're the ones running towards the gunfire while the rest of us just run away from it. They're amazing. Chuck Holton is a freelance war correspondent, author of 10 books, contributor as well at Christian Broadcast Network and host of the Hot Zone podcast. He's been reporting on on conflict and crisis around the globe for nearly two decades. Chuck was right there in the middle of the battle zone over the weekend, 15 yards from the Portland mayor at a crucial moment. Chuck, thanks for coming on the program. Right, good to see you, Stu. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I mean, you really were right in the middle of this. And I'm on vacation as this is going on. I see the glowing uh, treatment of the mayor of Portland, this brave soul who goes out there in the middle of this terrible action by federal troops to stand there and be almost like a human shield uh, for these unfairly treated protesters. That is really the message that got out to most Americans. What really happened? And you must have been reading CNN or Newsweek. Um, (laughs) I was standing about 15 yards away from the mayor when he, after he got done trying to speak to the crowd, when he first showed up out there, he was being pelted with bottles and screamed at. He tried to get up and speak. He was shouted down. And so he he positioned himself right in front of the courthouse, uh, right up against the fence as Antifa goons were throwing bottles and rocks and very large firecrackers and uh, were setting fire to trash that they had thrown over the fence into the courthouse. Uh, the, the federal agents warned ev- the, the crowd that they would come out and use crowd control measures at least five times in the 30 minutes leading up to when they actually did that. But uh, he stayed right there. 
Uh, I've got my my camera on him. I, I can't hardly see him. He's so crowded around with people. But when they finally did come out and start driving the protesters away from the fence, I say protesters, they're rioters. There's no two mm-hmm. ways about it. And when they started uh, driving them away from the fence, he literally stood there long enough to to have the gas waft over him so that he could get the uh, photo op that he was looking for before he ran away. This is incredible to me. This is the United States of America. And I, you know, like I've been doing this for a long time, looking at the media, you know, misrepresent what's actually happening in this country. It seems like we've crossed a line, though, that uh, to something I've never seen before. You'd think that a left leaning city would not want itself to be destroyed. But this seems to be cheered on by the people in the city and around the country who are on the left. I, I just don't even understand it. Well, I think that they see that courthouse as a surrogate for Donald Trump. It's a proxy for mm. Donald Trump himself. And those agents are Trump's agents because he's commanding them, telling them what to do. Uh, but it, I think to these Antifa guys, this is like we would I was on the soccer team when I was in high school and we would go to soccer practice. We would go to soccer games. It was our our team sport. This is the team sport for these pasty-faced 140-pound weakling kids that have been playing Grand Theft Auto their whole life in their basement. And mommy still pays all their bills. And so rather than go for a picnic or go for a hike, they go down and try to set fire to the courthouse. Mm. And one of the things that's really been interesting to watch, I guess, as an outsider with absolutely no idea uh, how any of these things these things work. I've never been in even a difficult situation, let alone a war correspondent. Uh, but watching this go on, I, I'm struck by the fact that these guys are standing there by the federal courthouse with no one trying to stop them as for minute after minute after minute they're trying to set a fire. What is the approach? I don't even understand it. If we know they're trying to set fire to the same building every night, why isn't it guarded by troops at the beginning of the night before any of this starts? Well, I mean, you would think it would be. And the, the, the interesting thing about this particular conflict is that it is really scripted. Mm-hmm. It's really obviously scripted every night. So uh, they come about sundown, they protest for a while, they chant, they sing songs, they get their pictures taken, holding up their phones with the flashlights on them, uh, very peaceful. Uh, They bring kids and moms and things like that. The moms line up then in front of the courthouse and link arms to show that they're protecting their children from these, the predations of these terrible agents. And then about 10, 1030, things start to get darker. And all these Antifa guys show up and they are loaded for war. And they've got battle armor. They've got gas masks, some of them three or $400 gas masks that they're wearing. They've got Kevlar, they've got everything uh, and lots and lots of makeshift weapons uh, from uh, commercial grade fireworks to green lasers that can blind a man and indeed have. Uh, and that's when things start to get interesting. But it's like every night they have a, a, a story that they want to tell. So the night after Ted Wheeler came down and got his photo op was the wall of moms night. And the moms came down, they lined up in front of the, the, the courthouse. And then these Antifa guys used them as human shields as they lobbed projectiles over into the courthouse, trying to set the courthouse on fire, set fires with the mom standing there in the way. And as soon as the agents came out to put the fires out, which necessitates them using crowd control measures, the moms immediately started screaming and wailing that they they had been gassed by, you know, for no reason. They saw no provocation, mm. uh, but they were literally standing there and watching felonies take place. 
for at least a half an hour before those guys came out. So it, they're working together here. They're, there's not a there's not two separate groups here, a peaceful group and an Antifa. This is these these two are essentially assisting each other is the way you saw it. To be fair, there are plenty of people who come down to peacefully protest before it gets dark. Yeah. But then after dark, about 10 o'clock at night, the people that are left there, we're talking about two or three thousand people. Uh, they are there to take out that courthouse. And their stated goal is to break into the courthouse and burn it. Now, this is a 15 story building. They're going to burn that thing out. They're going to destroy it as best they can. And that thing is they're laying siege to a courthouse with maybe about 100 federal agents inside mm. uh, going up against two or 3,000 rioters. And those agents hold their own very, very well. I'll tell you that. But uh, it would, as you say, it would definitely take the National Guard or somebody to come down there to actually put a stop to it before it starts. Uh, yeah, one of the uh, one of my favorite people who uh, and we've come in, in media contact with over the past few months is the police chief in Seattle. I just love her for some reason. She you know, she sat here and she's tried to explain directly to the people, look, we want to help you. We want to stop this from happening. But the mayor will not let it go on. Is that the same sort of thing that you think is happening in Portland? Are they holding the hands of law enforcement? Well, they are definitely tying the hands of law enforcement, without a doubt. Uh, I've, I did get a chance to speak to a couple of local cops, and I said, I don't know how you guys are still doing it. I mean, I don't know. How, how can you still try to be a cop when you're, you're being you know, tied like this? And uh, they just said, on a wing and a prayer, buddy, they, yeah. they said, we're doing the best we can, and there's not much we can do. Now, when the rioters stabbed a black man who was down there trying to get them to stop rioting uh, on Thursday night, the police did come in and, and take control of that situation. So they're around, but they're not anywhere to be found within a couple of blocks of that uh, courthouse because they, their, their, their vehicles would be destroyed if they tried to get any, any closer than that. Uh, Chuck, one more here. They seem to be trying to grab uh, control of these areas, uh, you know, like they did in Chaz, the, the whole Chaz chop situation. Uh, the response for these cities is shocking to me. I, I just I I can't understand why they would allow this to happen. And it seems that that as if these groups, if they can get these little, you know, uh, little areas of control, they're going to start doing this all over the country. This is not limited to Portland. It feels far away to me in Dallas, but it'll come to Dallas. It'll come to Miami. It'll come to Charlotte. It'll come all over the country if there isn't a a a, a, a hard line drawn. I mean, I, I go back to the Minneapolis the night of George Floyd when they when they allowed them to take over the one police precinct and burn it to the ground. You send a message like that. It's empowering to groups like this. Am I wrong on that? No, you're absolutely right. I counted a total of 18 different cities where there were riots over the weekend in the United States. Wow. Um, I never thought my job as a war correspondent would have, you know, I, I it's Job security right here in the United States. I don't have to go anywhere now. I just cover my own country. But mm. uh, 18 cities, and, is, and there's going to be a whole lot more. Uh, and the, the real problem is, and uh, the, I said the reason is why we're seeing this is just two words, Donald Trump, and the fact that there's an election coming up in November. Uh, th uh, the Democrats obviously are encouraging this because they want chaos across the country uh, leading up to the election so that people will, uh, in their mind, hopefully vote Donald Trump out of office. It's funny, too, because I think that's one of Donald Trump's best hopes, 
You know, the fact that they see that the voters can see this. This is not what I think an average person wants. I don't think it's even what an average Democrat wants, frankly. Uh, They don't want their cities, you know, torn up and burned to the ground. Nobody wants that. Um, This, if anything, I think helps Trump. But it is uh, is it one of those things that you think goes away if Joe Biden wins the election? Well, I do. I I do think it would go away if Joe Biden won the election. I don't know. um, I mean, these people would not have any reason. Again, you just have to ask them. You just have to read the graffiti that they put all over, not just the courthouse, but all over every building in downtown Portland and downtown Seattle. If you just read their graffiti, I believe you should listen to your enemies. And if what they say they're going to do, you should believe them. And uh, their graffiti is by and large aimed at Trump and police around the country. I don't think the push to defund and, and dismantle the police will end. And I really don't think that's what Antifa wants. I don't think that's what these, these rioters want. I don't think they want to de- do away with the police. I think they want to become the police because they have been very controlling in these areas that they're in charge of. Mm-hmm. They blockade roads. They come and tell me where and where where I can and cannot point my camera. Uh, And they're very controlling uh, in there. So I would say that would continue even after a Biden election. Mm. Chuck Holden, freelance war correspondent, author, contributor at Christian Broadcast Network and host of the Hot Zone podcast. Uh, Chuck, thanks for stepping in there and putting your putting yourself at risk to get this stuff. It's really important that people cover it. Anytime, Stu. All right. Thanks. Back in a second. You're going to be very pleased to hear that Dr. Dre is speaking out about the whole police brutality thing. Yes, he's taken a knee with Colin Kaepernick uh, in a wonderful photo where they've I mean, sure, they've been very oppressed here. In the background, you do see their zillion acre. I guess it's Dre's zillion acre property in the background. And look, does it look kind of nice? Sure. But what it really stands for? Oppression. Mm hmm. Very, very oppressed. Uh, it's interesting that uh, Colin Kaepernick would would align with Dr. And I was going to say Mr. Dre, but Dr. Dre, um, who, of course, the guy who wrote F the police is an interesting because it's not about police or the flag, but the guy who wrote F the police, strong ally in the war on oppression. And I hope you realize that. Also, um, speaking of uh, sports, the Miami Marlins had a bit of an incident. They had four players uh, to test positive for coronavirus, uh, and then they had a, they played a game, and now they have eight more who have tested positive for coronavirus, plus a couple of coaches, spray, you know, just like ravaging uh, their team right now. Some uh, some symptoms. I don't think anything super serious. Uh, you'd, you'd expect expect kind of athletes to be able to, to be the people who could probably survive this best. However, their game uh, tonight was canceled. Also, the Phillies game, because the Phillies played the Marlins last time, their game tonight has been canceled. This is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. I mean, it does seem like the the ultimate, there's three approaches you can do with the sports here, right? You can go with the the approach the, uh, the, the MLB is trying to do, which is everyone goes to their cities. They just don't have people in the stands. You didn't, I don't know. You're getting a lot of protection out of that? I don't know. Then you have the NBA sort of style where they're doing the bubble. And, uh, and then you have the, the third one, which is what a lot of the, this is the worst one, which is the porous bubble, which is everyone stays in really close contact except for some people who go to strip clubs. That's kind of what the NBA is trying to do right now. Not sure if that's going to work. Uh, Lou Williams got caught uh, coming out of uh, a strip club, and he said he was there for the wings. 
It's a good excuse. Now, you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute. Was he really at a strip club for the wings? How good could the wings be? And that's a good question. They are actually named after him, though. And I feel like if you get a strip club to name wings after you, you get to go to the strip club to pick up the wings. I feel like that's a rule. I don't know if it's in the Constitution or not, but it should be. I feel like that is, I give him a break on this one. Bring him back in. We'll infect the whole bubble together. Um, speaking of the mask situation, we should go over this at some point. Maybe we'll do some of this this week. I mean, it's kind of depressing to go through uh, coronavirus stats at the moment. I wrote a post uh, at the beginning of July about Florida. And at that point, it was a big talk about how, hey, lots of no cases, but no rise in death uh, rates. Well, you know, I crunched the numbers and it, I think we're going to get a rise in death rates. We're now... Uh, double uh, where we were at the beginning of, uh, of July. Kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Uh, the interesting part, I had a, an interesting experience, though, going on vacation last week, which is I kind of live in our own little bubble here, kind of like the NBA bubble, except it's the conservative media bubble where everybody hates masks and no one, everyone wants the economy to open up full, uh, full bore. And, I, you know, I, I have a lot of sympathy uh, with those viewpoints. Um, but I, I, every time I read these polls, I see numbers where that's not really the case around the country. And I met a lot of people like that. It was interesting to talk to them because, you know, a lot of people are just freaking terrified by this. And I don't care how much you say you're going to open up the economy. If these people come, don't come out and go to these restaurants, you can't do it all with Republicans. It's not going to happen. They did do a, a new poll uh, about um, whether you think masks work. Are they effective in slowing the spread of coronavirus? Uh, the overall was 80 to 17. Yes. You see the split here, which I thought was interesting. Democrats, 94 to four independents, 83 to 13. The GOP though, still 59 to 34. Yes, it is effective. Um, I think the media has done a real disservice lately of trying to make the mask into this cure all. The mask is, I mean, the best science says it's moderately effective. There are some studies that say it doesn't do much of anything. Uh, To my knowledge, there are no studies that say it's a complete uh, game changer as far as uh, coronavirus goes. It can be helpful as a step. If you do that, you do social distancing, you wash your hands, you do all these things in combination, you can get a pretty dramatic drop in the uh, uh, the, the way the virus has passed. But there's, you know, the media is just basically seeming like, well, if you're a good person, you'll wear a mask and everything will be fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Just wear a mask and everything's going to be fine. Well, that's not the way this works. People still wear masks and can get coronavirus. It probably helps. It does seem to help a little bit. But saying that it's the end all be all is a mistake. And it's going to make people who do wear the masks and then get coronavirus lose faith in all your other advice if they haven't already, because it's been a mess so far. Back in a second. Trying to sell your home is it's challenging, especially in this environment. I mean, I don't know how if you had to sell your home right now, how does anyone even come over to look at it? Uh, I, I, come over in hazmat suits. You need a real estate agent that's going to be able to give you an advantage in a situation like this. And real estate agents I is the place to go to find one. Uh, Glenn started this company a while ago, uh, and he did this because he was frustrated. You know, he has some unique real estate needs uh, and he needed some help for some unique transactions. You need someone who is really responsible, who really understood how this stuff works, not just the paperwork, which is important, but then also like, you know, what are the things that are really going to turn the head of of someone who's looking to buy? Um, When you go in, what's a great thing to ask for when you're trying to buy a new home? All these things are, you know, 
you know, second nature for the best agents. Uh, but you need one of the best agents on your side, most capable, experienced people uh, on your side every single day with realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're looking to purchase a home, to sell a home, go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Learn more at realestateagentsitrust.com. Joined now by Chad Prather, host of the Chad Prather Show right here on Blaze TV. Uh, Chad, uh, welcome to the studio. Uh, on the day of Glenn Beck's big return from Idaho, he was going to come in today. Was no Glenn. No Glenn. He didn't no make Glenn. It. He did not make it. This guy's going to find every excuse he can to stay away. Oh, yeah. He's never coming back here, is he? I'm not sure I blame him, per se, but whatever. That's yeah. a fair point. We, um, uh, I got... I had to uh, go on, I went on vacation last week. I had a mm-hmm. week coming up. It was supposed to be either this week or the next week. And I moved it because they told me Glenn was going to be back in studio on the 27th. So I'm like, all right, I'll move the, move the vacation to last week, reorganize all the plans, come back in, wake up in the morning. I should have known from the beginning. Glenn's not here. You should have known. And I, I kind of had a sneaking suspicion something was going to happen because it was so melodramatic on his Instagram <laughs> about leaving the ranch yeah. and just, mm-hmm. I, I hate, you know, the sun sets for the final time <laughs> on the ranch, you know, and, and you know how Glenn is. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, then he doesn't show up. No. <laughs> just He's, go back to the ranch, Glenn. And he kind of has COVID, but I don't know if he actually does. What's going on? Do you have any understanding of the situation? Not, not a clue. Not, I don't not know. Not a clue. I don't know. He he is under the belief uh, that he can cure it with ice cream. Well, yeah. But then, well, yeah. Then <laughs> I don't want to say things because no. I'm going to get in trouble. That's probably a good idea. It's probably a good idea. Let's talk about the uh, socialist takeover of our country <laughs> instead because that's a much easier topic. Yeah. To navigate much waters. less fear in my heart <laughs> on uh, that topic. And Tifa, we, we're spending a lot of time on it today. And, you know, it was a big it's been a big issue for months and months. There's this shocking thing in the media where they're surprised that Portland is having trouble with these riots when it's basically been the life of everybody who lives in Portland for months. Yeah, no, years. Yeah, you remember they did a documentary on this the cult that came in the that Maharaji or whatever who came in oh. to the Portland. They bought the city there, yeah, and then that they was so good. Uh, bust in, yeah. they bust in all these homeless people because at the time. They could have there were like 58 days. You could have voting rights in Oregon at the time. They've now changed that law because of them. And it was a they were they were it was like the voter fraud thing that they had intended to happen and all this. Well, when that thing caved in on itself, all those homeless people and mentally ill people were just stuck there in Oregon. So what do they do? They all went to Portland. They all just moved into Portland. So Portland is just a cesspool of uh uh, shall we say, uh, people that Ronald Reagan let out of the asylum. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. They're all in the streets there. But it's oh, fa- Wild Country is the name of that. Uh, yeah, Wild Country, on, that's on it. Netflix, fantastic. I mean, that's such a good series. I thought, I thought they did a yeah. great job with that. It's hard to believe that actually happened in the United States. It actually happened. But, you know, Jerry Nadler said it's a myth. He said it's all a myth. Uh, these guys, I'd love to put Jerry Nadler out there. And what's sad about it is that's a beautiful part of the country. Like geographically, it's a, it is a physically beautiful part of the country just being just destroyed and the reputation being ruined. You know, I, when I'm on stage, I do a bit about building the wall, but let's st- don't stop there. Let's let's go up California and give them back San Diego and give back Los Angeles and San Francisco and all. And then Portland, which they'll keep for like six weeks and then Mexico will want to give that back. Yeah. You know, and, and then it'll be a fight over who gets Portland. You know, do you want it? You? And I know so, I've done shows in Portland. I've got I know wonderful people that are up there in that area, but it's at a point now where you're just thinking, are these people just letting it, the governors and the mayors, you know, are they just letting these cities burn? Mm-hmm. 
And do we just say, here, have it? Yeah, you know, I, don't, I, I go back and forth on this because it, it, it would be nice to be able to point to an actual example mm-hmm. of this is how, in the United States, your philosophy works, yeah. right? We can point to the ones in Venezuela, and we can point to Cuba, and we can point to North Korea, and we can point to the Soviet Union, and we can point to all these other countries. That's never good enough because it's never been tried, as you know. Never right, been tried. never been tried. Well, they tried it again, and we can t- look at Chaz. Uh, we can look at Chop. Uh, maybe a little bit there, but it's tempting to just say, you guys want to assault our officers. Yeah. Fine. We won't bail you out this time and let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is, of course, you know, there's tens of thousands of people who who voted for Donald Trump who live in Portland. There's tens of thousands of people who are, you know, business owners in that area, uh, people who work at these, you know, who who need Portland for for their livelihood. Well, and and Oregon's a beautiful state. That's why I'm saying let's give them New Mexico. Right. Let's just get, let's just build the wall around New Mexico and yeah. they can have that. It can be their own little country there. But you're right, because that house of cards, no matter what scale you try it on, is going to fall in on itself. But nobody's going to believe it. But even if we did that, you know what they would do? Well, this was stacked against us. Yeah, of course. We didn't have a true, honest opportunity to make this thing work. You know, this whole thing started with George Floyd, right, in a protest that was supposedly against police brutality. Now you have people in the street who are doing things that encourage people police brutality. They're actually forcing the hand of law enforcement officers to get violent with them. So in the end, this isn't a protest at all. This is a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is anarchy run amok with people who are already plagued by self-rejection and self-worth issues that are wanting to get slapped around because unfortunately their fathers didn't do it out of love. (laughs) (laughs) Like we just, we're begging to get a spanking. We're begging for a whipping. Uh, So the theory so far for Antifa and these groups has been to terrorize Seattle, Portland, and the other big cities when they have the opportunity. If they can make an excuse out of, there's four white supremacists who are protesting in Charlottesville, we'll go there and we'll mix it up. Yeah. Um, there is that worry, though, that they expand this, that they decide, hey, we're going to, why, we're getting no more attention for, you know, going after the courthouse for the 50th time. Why don't we go out to some uh, suburban neighborhood? Yeah. You know, I mean, that does seem like they're, that's coming eventually. Well, we had a person get shot and killed in Austin over the weekend. Then there was protests over the weekend in Weatherford, Texas, Parker County, Texas. I mean, imagine going out to Weatherford, Texas and thinking that that's a good idea <laughs> to get on the courthouse where, you know, there's a, there's a lot of folks out there that are just not going to take it. So my guess is there's a lot of guns being waved around, mm. a lot of weapons being, you know, I mean, they're making, you know, Spartan phalanxes out of umbrellas and marching on law enforcement. That's real solid. Eventually, more people are going to get hurt, if not dead. And dead is forever. That's what I keep telling people. Dead is it. You don't come back from it. So make sure that you're choosing wisely because we're not going to remember you as a martyr when you come to certain parts of suburban America and try to do the same thing that you've been doing in disarmed or unarmed rather urban America. It's not going to have the same results. Yeah. And it's I think there's this thing that goes on where the average Antifa member decides they think, oh, well, you know, we're doing something important here or whatever they think they're doing. Uh, overthrowing the evil system. They're very expendable, though. The leadership (laughs) sees them as dirt, right? Throw them up against the police officers. Hopefully one of them gets killed Mm -hmm. because then we can complain about that later on. This is uh, this is not a this is not a good way to get into uh, your first job coming out of college. Uh, Antifa is not a good role for you. Well, and that's what we've watched happen for the last few years. They want to get punched, right? They want to get in your face long enough to make you mad and then 
you get punched or that they get punched. Right. And now they could say, see, we're being bullied. Yeah. The fascists are bullying us. Well, forget the fact that you poked the bear with a stick for an hour mm-hmm. and, until the bear woke up and, and slapped you. Uh, and now it's gone one step further. They're not satisfied until there's bloodshed or there's physical injury and harm, you know, like the lasers that they were using to shine yeah. into police officers' fireworks. eyes and fireworks. Yeah. And uh, it, it just, it, again, I go back to it's a self-fulfilling thing. Yeah. It's like self-flagellation. Like, well, I hate myself so much. And anybody, ask Elijah Schaefer, you know, anytime you get, who spent a massive amount of times around these people, he has personal relationships with these people from interacting with them at their protests and mm-hmm. slash riots. Uh, these people don't know who they are. They, they're, they hate themselves. In many cases, they're confused in so many areas. Yeah. They're confused about their sexuality. They're confused. I mean, they're addicted to pornography. These are verifiable things. I mean, they're out there. These guys, they don't know who they are. And so they're, they're so full of self-loathing. Yeah, it is a big problem. Um, let me let me hit you with two other things. <laughs> the pornography or the self-loathing? <laughs> you know, they go hand in hand, do they not? Um, yeah. Let me. <laughs> Day 121 of COVID. I read all of Pornhub. <laughs> I'm all set. I've seen the whole thing. Um, I finished it. <laughs> uh, Jerry Nadler, we, we uncovered, I believe, some serious news on Jerry Nadler earlier mm-hmm. on in the show when we realized the first thing when you type in Jerry Nadler's uh, name into Google you get is Jerry Nadler's pants. Yeah. And that's something I did not know was a thing. The yeah. way the man wears the pants, that can't, there can't be enough oxygen getting into the brain. No, he's he's an argument against uh, how certain paraphernalia can actually cut oxygen off from your brain. <laughs> so whether it's a mask or those pants that he's wearing up here constricting his yes. his breasts, uh, I mean your heart, your lungs are up here, and this is where he wears those pants. They're like brants. They're like yeah. half bra, half pants. Brants. <laughs> They're brants. I like it. That's a good. We got to make some money off of that, Chad. I mean, let's put this in the store. Um, and how did you survive? Did you survive? Okay, the uh, the Power Hour. You can watch this on YouTube. Cute everywhere it wasn't (laughs) from getting sick it wasn't from getting sick yeah i did but i'll tell you this uh about three days later i drank a good bit of wine and you know what i did what i puked it up (laughs) because i think my system was like you know what oh i I thought i taught you a lesson Mm -hmm. and you did not wait long enough your body is getting revenge it was just the volume i think it was like shot 51 where i just had to excuse myself and i I will say i did not want to drink a drop of alcohol for for two or three weeks i i had to fight myself uh (laughs) a week later to drink a beer and and say okay i'm going to enjoy this well i I appreciate you punishing yourself for this stupid i'm ready to do it again here's to here's on to 200 all right 200 you're back i love it that'd be great (laughs) chad prather the chad prather show of course watch the podcast and do all the things you need to do uh be sure to check out all of chad's episodes when you get your subscription to Blaze TV, just head to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Chad, thanks for coming to the program. Thanks. All right, back in a second. Thank you so much for reviewing the show on iTunes. Five stars are the appropriate amount of stars, of course. Uh, this one from DTAP87. It's great. Whatever. And Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. Five freaking stars. Next up, 100th episode. I always listen to your podcast, but a few minutes into Power Hour, I knew I had to watch. Too funny. I laughed my ass off. Love y'all. That was a mess. You can watch it on YouTube. You know, at the end of this, this is going to be like our most watched episode. I got to realize no one cares about my stupid opinions. They just want to watch us be idiots. Um, five freaking stars, by the way. Next up, I'll trade you five stars for a what's up, Tim. 
What's up, Tim? The title says it all. It does. Five freaking stars. Beautiful. And there are statistics and there are statistics. They're great. Whatever. Five freaking stars from Matt Anderson. Thank you very much. Review on iTunes and you'll be a special person, too.